And we're back. Welcome to another episode of the Cambridge Endurance Sports Podcast. Today I'm delighted to be with Heather Williams. Wanted to get Heather on for a while, known her for a long time, and she's an ex-triathlon national champion and world-class performer in that sport. And she's gone on to a great career in sports governing bodies in various roles, as you will hear in the interview. So a real informative chat today and a bit of nostalgia mixed in there too. So uh, sit back or keep on running, keep on riding and enjoy my chat with Heather Williams. Okay, well, I'm delighted to be here this June afternoon, quite warm and sticky afternoon, um, with Heather Williams, who I've known for a very long time. And Heather's had a very distinguished career, both in athletic terms and in national sports organisations in various roles, as we'll go into later. So it's really good to see you. Heather, how are you and what have you been up to today? Yeah, great, great to be on the show, Ben. Yeah, no, to be honest, I've, I've not done too much today, just a normal day at work. I, uh, I had my um, second COVID jab yesterday, so I've been okay. taking it a little bit easy today, but um, hopefully going to do something in it in a little while. Good stuff. No, no side effects as yet? Uh, not a little bit, not as bad as the first time, but can't complain, really. Good okay. to get the good to get the vaccines done. All right. Okie dokie. Right, well, I mean, normally, back in the day, you'd be swimming most days and cycling most days and uh, probably running a few times a week certainly and uh, you got into triathlon originally from a swimming background at an age group level is that right? Yeah so um, I swam through my I guess my childhood years and my um, sort of early early late teens um, I guess just below sort of international level I um, uh, I've reached sort of national national age group age group level one national age groups i think when i was i was 18 and then sort of a junior international um, um yeah really um really really good um sort of sporting upbringing which i think sort of stood me in good stead for for what came afterwards what what was your favorite event or events as a swimmer in swimming well i started off with a you know like 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 most kids do, they 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 they, they do everything and then i was a i was a backstroker up until about 15 right. and then um and then realised that there was more sort of options to progress if you, if you did front call, um, right. relays and stuff like that. So I decided to, to swap to swap to focusing on um, front call, and that, that that's what I did really, sort of from about fifteen up to up to really sort of when I moved on from on, on from swimming. So um, mainly a sprinter at those times. Um, the shorter the better. Yeah. Um, you know, fifty meter freestyle was my um, I guess my best event at a, at a sort of senior senior level. Um, which is quite interesting, really, since I went on to triathlon afterwards. Yeah, what what was your club when you were at your best in your swimming? Yeah, so I, I guess I had three clubs, and probably my best club that I was at for most of that time was Rushmore Royals down in down in Hampshire. Okay. Um, that started off at a, a smaller club, Basingstoke, which is where I which is where I grew up, mm-hmm. and then swam with um, Nova Centurion when I was in um, Nottingham at uni. Ah, okay, yeah, I've heard of them, yeah, yeah. And and then, though, you, you had a connection with the, the horrible P word, Peterborough, didn't you? <laughs> and that, that's where the triathlon came along, isn't it? I did, yeah. So when I, when I finished finished university, moved to, moved to Peterborough, I spent um, about two years living in Peterborough and obviously still into swimming there, so I joined the swimming club. Um, and, yeah, was was doing a bit of swimming alongside work. Um, and at that time, there was, I guess, triathlon. We're talking early 90s now, so... Um, Triathlon was just um, just in its early beginnings, and there was a, a squad of guys training there in the mornings who were RAF, RAF athletes, um, but they'd started doing triathlon. So, so I guess that's how I got to know about know about triathlon. And then it was about ninety ninety three when I when I when I had a first first go at it. Really, I think that's one year before me. And uh, what did you do? A sprint distance first. I, I remember my first triathlon. I joined joined Patrick, so for those of you into triathlon will know Patrick's the Peter Peterborough Club. And my first um my first race was a was a race at Hena, which is up north north uh, northwest of of um of Nottingham. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, it was a, it was a pool swim, um about a twenty k bike I think, and then a, and then a six mile run. Were were, were you any good on the bike at that point? Uh, probably. <laughs> Probably not. Tim, my husband, probably wouldn't think so. Um, <laughs> I think, um, I guess I'd been a swimmer for a long time, so I was fit and strong, had a good pair of lungs, and 
brute force and ignorance, I think, probably got me round. <laughs> so you probably started um, the opposite way around to me, where I was at the back and at the, at the, after the swim and chasing, overtaking people. You were at the front and having people overtake you in your early triathlons, I imagine, and you gradually reduced that till it till they never caught you. <laughs> I, I didn't well I guess they were tactics but basically I mean we were in non-drafting days then so it was before um, drafting came in for elite and it was mm. basically flower on the swim flower on the bike and then um, hang on in the run and see what happens yeah yeah indeed and uh yeah obviously you spoke, mentioned your husband there and he's obviously a cycling and triathlon coach was he helping you and advising you right from the early days or were you doing it you know just for getting information and help from wherever you could yeah, it was it was quite interesting. So I guess um, I guess I got into cycling um, th- through Tim, um, but then just sort of doing very much on a, on a leisure from a from a leisure perspective. Um, I don't think to start with, I'd have said that he was coaching me. Probably we would um, we would discuss or argue what we were going to do. <laughs> um, but I think as yeah, as, as time moved on and um, I, I got into got into the sport more seriously and, and moved from thinking that. Yeah, I was going to have a go at triathlon, but that was very much a, you know, for fun. It was, you know, alongside alongside my my work career to, um, to I guess deciding that I was going to take this a bit more seriously. And obviously, at that time we were, um, it was it was leading up to the to the Sydney Sydney Games, where obviously triathlon made its debut. So I think at, at that point, sort of mid nineties, when I decided to take it more seriously, yeah, did did obviously Tim and I work. We're working it out together, but very much. Um, yeah, using his guidance to, to decide what I was going to do and how I was going to do it. So, so your progression from age group as a beginner to elite must have been quite quick. Yeah, I mean, it was. I, I mean, I guess at that time, um, triathlon was obviously developing at a very, very quick rate. And I say it was, um, everybody was non-drafting there. So there wasn't mm. really a decision to be made. Um, but being a, being a strong swimmer and a good biker and at that time, swim bike strength was could really get you a long way in, mm. way in triathlon so I started off you, you're right as a as an age group pro 1993 I think went to Manchester Ma- Manchester um, World Championships mm. for those that were around there that's when Spencer won his, um, yeah. won his world, world, world title and then really as those sort of 90s um, progressed yeah slowly moved up into up into the elite and then um, decided I think it was sort of the back end of 1997 decided right let's um let, let's give it a, let's give it a go and see see how good I can be as it as we led into Sydney. Yeah, yeah, indeed. We were chatting the other day about uh, those um, early elite races. Well, they, I think the first time I ever raced elite was at Bournemouth. There used to be a Grand Prix series, didn't there? And uh, I think I remember you actually won that race. Um, I certainly didn't win the men's, even though I had number one. I think that was because of my surname, but nothing else. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, and I remember you there being way ahead after the bike, and it was a you ran along the beach and then up the hill and then back down the hill and, and you held on there and that was that was great and it so you were obviously winning and podiuming in these Grand Prix races I mean you'd maybe like to mention in a minute a couple of the other girls that were at the top of the of the scene at that time and then you actually went on to win national championship didn't you I did yeah Brighton 1999 I think we decided it was wasn't it that's, yeah. um, that's when I won my won my, won my national title and if I if I recall it was um one of those days where the swim was probably a bit more like a fight and I seem to remember the waves were so big that I'm not sure we actually went very far I think they had to cut the swim short and then uh, that's yeah, not good um, bikes, um, up and around um, um, Brighton and then and then running along the pier so yeah that's um that's one of my best memories of uh, of triathlon well of course the swim's a bit of a fight still these days isn't it if um, Alice does anything to go by <laughs> Yeah, it was a bit controversial at the weekend, wasn't it? I think I've probably seen, um, seen far worse over the days. Yeah, oh um, yeah. <laughs> oh, so that was fantastic. So you're a national champion in, in 99. Obviously, that was a, only one year before Sydney. So you were up in contention there, weren't you? And you were doing these, um, at the time, they were called World Cup races. So do you want to talk about a bit about who the other women were in, in contention for Olympic places yeah. and your lead up there and you... Maybe tell us a bit about some of the races you went to around the world. Yeah, so it was at that time. It was before the before the world um, world triathlon series came in. So it was World Cups was basically the equivalent of the World yeah. Cup. So yeah, did a did a did a did a few a few of those. Um, so some quite funny stories there. Obviously, a little bit like you do now. In order to, to be eligible for the Olympics, you need to have a ranking. I think it was the top hundred at that time. So um, 
leading into 2000, I needed to get my um, need to get my ranking in 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 the, in the top 100. So I needed to do some forward races really. So um, what what one trip I, I decided to go to, to 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 Rio in Brazil one week and then Hawaii the following week. Um, but but basically what it transcribed is it was it was an awful lot cheaper instead of flying to Rio then going on to Hawaii to um, um, to race the second one it was so much cheaper to come back to London so basically I went to this race in Rio flew back to London um, met Tim we um, we um, obviously um, booked into a and B and then decided that well didn't really want to. Um, changed my body clock, so we wanted to stay on a on an American time. So booked into this B and B, and then um, spent the whole night up. I think um, I think the people we were in, in that in that house must have wondered what on earth we were doing. <laughs> they, they really would, and then flew out to Hawaii, back on another plane the following day. Yeah. So some um, some 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 funny things, but but great times, and, and raced with some some really great people. So uh, but that sort of time, um, Sean Bryce, Steph Forrester, who's Steph Forrester, is um, also a, a, an ex Cambridge graduate. She's now in now working at Loughborough University, but she, but she was from she was from um, Cambridge. And then Annie Emerson was racing at that time. I think most people will be familiar um, as a in, in a commentary these days. Yeah, um, I remember racing you know. a lot of duathlons with with Annie as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Michelle Dillon, probably people are there, and, and then Stewie Hayes, mm. who um, obviously carried on through to through to London with the Brownies. Yeah. Yeah, so those are those are World Cup races, and of course, people maybe don't realise that at the time was this pre-lottery funding. Uh, it was quite interesting. Lottery funding came in in '97, and I was um, um, I was sort of on the on the verge of of, of being what they would call a, a funded athlete. So um, yeah, I, I I didn't actually receive receive any money, but I was um, you know, I'd get some of my trips would be funded, and, and some of them I would fund myself. So um, yeah, it was quite a quite an interesting time for, 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 I guess, for all sports, really, because we've gone from, you know, people doing sport um, and either joining the forces to, to get a bit more time or, or, or on the dole, um, as, hmm. as it would have been then, hmm. um, to actually being funded to be to be a professional athlete. So, you know, that was really the point at which British sport from an Olympic side really, really made some massive headways on the, on, on the world stage. Yeah, I mean, from my experience of British or the BTA as it was then, wasn't it? It was. Uh, yeah. um, it was. It was nowhere even a fraction of what it is now. I mean, now you see all these, um, you know, the officials on the side in their bright t-shirts giving information, and no doubt, you know, the athletes are getting all their accommodation and travel and everything sorted for them and all the rest of it. Back in the day, even even as part of an elite team, which I was only once or twice a member of, it was. Uh, very much, oh yeah. They they organised your trip, but beyond that, everything was down to you. And uh, yeah, you, so you're talking there about having to come back to go to Hawaii again. You know, the, these sort of things certainly wouldn't be happening now, would they? But did you feel, did you feel that you had some kind of support network as you were? Yeah, trying? definitely. I mean, it was it was it was you know obviously a, a different world at that point in terms of the support available. But yeah, it still felt that there was a there was a support network around. Um, you know, coaches at that time, mm. people like Steve True, Chris Jones, mm. uh, you know, really um, at, the, at the time sort of um, sport was new and it was really about finding out about the sport and, mm. and you know, making, um, make, I say making it up as we went along to, to a degree because it had never been done before. Yeah, such a young sport, wasn't it? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. But that you look upon back on that with as, as being great times, I imagine. You always um, you at the time you always want to be a little bit better, so you're never quite satisfied, and you you always think why you know why could I've done this, couldn't have done that. But but as I look back now, um, I guess over my swimming career and also my triathlon career, you realise what you actually did, um, and probably more importantly, the experiences you had, the people that helped you, Mm. and 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 how that's really how actually shaped shaped you as as a person, but also shaped your interests and 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 what what I'm doing now really. And right from the start, I mean, actually, we both raced for a while for um, ASICS Multisport, but you were always part of the um, Cambridge Tri Club, weren't you, right from the very early days? Yeah, yeah. We, we both had a, a period, didn't we, when we raced for, for ASICS Multisport because they were, they were funding us. We got a bit of kit and a bike, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, I, I don't think I even got a bike, just kit. No, you didn't get a bike, but I think I got a bike. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, but um, as you say, I started off joined Patrick in Peterborough, and then then when I moved to Cambridge, I think that was ninety ninety five. Joined um joined joined Cambridge Triathlon Club and and been a member of there ever since, really. Yeah, yeah, and we'll talk later about how you've been very active in in various roles there, including during lockdown. Um, but oh, yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. Um, let's let's move on then to sort of the, I suppose the tail end. I mean, you didn't get your Olympic place, obviously, and you were having some back trouble, weren't you? But I do remember um, we actually got together to watch those two thousand Olympics, didn't we? The, the Sydney Olympics, and they, they, yeah. they were good times. Yeah, we did. I think I think you came to us for the women, and then we came to you for the men, or something like that. But yeah, a frustrating couple of nights, wasn't it? If I remember. That's right. With uh, Mr. Lessing not winning, who everyone was hoping would, wouldn't he? Wouldn't yeah. They? yeah, yeah. So, so how was the um, exit from triathlon and into the sort of more administrative side of things for you? Then I know your your yeah, back so, was a factor, wasn't it? Yeah. So I think I think you, you summed it up really well. I got to the point where I was sort of training a lot, but. I was having, um, I wouldn't say major problems with my back, but but sufficiently bad problems with my back that I couldn't I couldn't run off a bike like I could run sort of flat. So I decided it was time to um, to call it a day on a on I guess a full time basis. But I think sort of even during my time as an athlete, I'd um, I'd got involved with with British Triathlon. I was um, the athlete representative on their board for for a little while. Mm, could you um, want to talk a bit and, about that? About what what sort of things you did on that? Yeah, so I think I can't remember exactly where that was, but basically, um, as as they do now, the, um, the 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 board of the of the governing body has a has an athlete who's on that board to to, to really make sure that the governing body is considering the athlete. Um, and in British triathlon, we're quite forward thinking mm. in, in, in in that space. So um, so I was on the board, and um, at that time, you know, really part of all all the major decisions that were that a governing body. Um, were making um, as you said as you said that Ben the governing body was a little bit different to, to what it is now I think there was probably uh, you know about 30,000 pounds in the reserves or something probably less than than uh, Cambridge Triathlon Club had, had <laughs> so we weren't exactly um, a multi-million pound organization but, um, but even so you know it, it was the governing body there was plenty of you know stuff to stuff to talk about and um yeah i think I, I i did that and then as a result of being the british um triathlon um athlete um representative i was also on the the british olympic association athletes commission mm. which was obviously for lots of different sports talking about um support supporting athletes and um making sure that athletes were an athlete voice was being was being heard can you remember anything that you were sort of pushing for or advocating at that time <sighs> just trying to think i think it was more um yeah i mean it, i guess it was it, it was before you know a lot of the the real issues of of, of athlete of athlete welfare would have would have, would have come up um but I, th- I think it was more at that point of just to make sure that you know these organizations were all developing um and becoming more professional and they're all becoming professional at a slightly different different rate that actually the i guess the purpose of them then was was still very much just to support athletes and, and mm. to make sure that that was actually being being considered yeah um, yeah and so it wasn't that you were like advocating for like equal prize money for women or anything like that that wasn't a hot uh, topic no, at the it's, time it's quite, probably probably not i mean no. i think you know triathlon triathlon has been very fortunate in that um it has always been a very um gender equal sport in, in uh, most most it, places maybe not in france so much or but uh, yeah no, maybe not in france but i think yeah. you know for the most part i remember there was a period wasn't there when the that when there wasn't quite equal prize money but you know there's there's never really been very much time when you know there wouldn't be a men's race and a women's race and the women's yeah. race wouldn't be important so I think mm. um, probably took it a bit for granted having grown up in swimming and then and then triathlon that um, you know that sport was quite equal for both genders um, yeah as you, as, you, as you move into other sports you see it's not quite the same everywhere else right right well maybe we'll mention that later then but you uh, so you were the athletes representative on two big boards there let's call them important organizations there and, and you're also involved in the sort of the regional aspect weren't you of the of the British triathlon and that's where yeah, you led I into was, the national I said, that's how I sort of got into it so I said so when I stopped stopped um stopped stopped um stopped racing I started coaching a little bit and that's actually how we formed um 
perfect condition, which is our which is our, our company and, and, and the one that Tim runs. So we, we set that up because I thought I wanted to become a coach. Mm. Um, I'm not sure I was ever really a coach. I think I always wanted to be do the, doing the doing rather than the, <laughs> rather than the coaching, really. But um, yeah. anyway, as a result of that, I moved um, I moved into British Triathlon, so I um, got a role as the um, East East Midlands Development Officer. Mm. Um, so got got back into British Triathlon doing doing some development work around the. Uh, around around this area and then it was probably only about six months when there were some changes in the in the performance department of British Triathlon and that's when I moved back into performance into a role which is um it's probably more of a, like an, an operations manager role at that point dealing with all the um logistics and the organization of the of the elite side of the sport mm. did you feel was did you have a background or did you feel well equipped for doing that was that a, a job you could uh, Managed quite well. It's interesting, when I moved into that role, um, I, I guess it was a little bit, I obviously had a, had a, had a bit of a career in a, both um, IT, working in insurance companies, and a little bit in finance. Um, so going back into an operations role wasn't, wasn't a million miles from the mm. sort of work I might have been, might have been doing, and obviously mm. it was doing what, I, doing what I loved, so it was a good, it was a good um, combination. Good balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you obviously then sort of got to the top in that area really didn't you so what was your eventual title there at British Triathlon yeah so um yeah joined took that one I think it was about 2004 and then 2006 so post the uh I think it was Lausanne World Championships in 2006 uh current performance director who was who who was there at the that that point moved on Mm. and and I became performance director so um it's interesting. I look back now and think, "Crikey, how on earth did I possibly take on that role?" And sort of, you know, ignorance is sometimes bliss, isn't it? Because you don't know what you don't know, yeah. and you just uh, just go for it. But um, yeah, it was it was a huge opportunity, and I think um, that's one of the things I've always tried to do in whatever I'm doing is an opportunity. Is take the opportunity and you know see where see where that takes you. Yeah. Um, and, and massively fortunate. I mean, you know, that was a brilliant time for, 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 for triathlon um, leading in firstly into Beijing Olympic mm. Games um, uh, and then obviously into, into London in 2012 yeah so you basically saw those two Olympic cycles through in that role didn't you and uh, interesting times obviously we had the emergence of, of the Brownleys there um, I've always wanted to tell this story I mean I've got a, a, a different slant on it perhaps <laughs> um, tell us about Alistair's uh, Brief sojourn in Cambridge. He did. So um, <laughs> Alistair, um, Alistair did his eight levels in two thousand and six, and and was going to be a doctor and, and come to come to Cambridge. So he um, he had a place at Girton College. I think it was Girton College, if yeah. I remember rightly. I, I, I reckon he must have been pulled to Girton. No one chooses Girton, do they? <laughs> uh, okay. Well, he came to Girton, um, <laughs> and um, he, he was gonna he was gonna he, he was gonna be a doctor. He actually. Um, because he actually wanted a car and um, to have a car so he could do his training around, around Cambridge, but they wouldn't let him have a car parking space at Girton College. So Excellent. he actually uh, used our drive to park his car in for the first time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, um, uh, you'll probably say Cambridge wasn't good enough for him or he was too good for Cambridge. But um, yeah. No, no, the other way around, the other way around. Yeah, yeah no, Cambridge was too good for him. <laughs> This is the Cambridge yeah, podcast, yeah. not the Brownlee podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, what, what's what's your take on it then? Do, what was his what was his reason for leaving? For leaving, um, to to be honest, I think I think you know he he was trying to do he was trying to do medicine, and I think yeah. you know for anyone that does medicine at Cambridge, you know that you know you need to you have to live that life, you know you have to embrace it, and I think trying to it was as it was as simple as. Um, trying to fit two two programs that were all you know all consuming and needed sure. to be very flexible um, didn't work and you recognise mm. that yeah and that's why I decided to go back to yeah go back to the so that that was before Beijing obviously and and then in uh, Beijing he um, if I remember rightly he sort of attacked a bit on the run didn't he was he was he actually leading at one point at the beginning of the run yeah, the... So, um, as as everybody that knows Alistair he, he, he raced <laughs> Races from the heart, um, all out, all the time. Um, yeah, so he was um, obviously strong swim, strong bike. I think we had a few other 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 challenges in that race, didn't we? Um, but yeah, for about that, I can't remember how long it was, but it would be at least a good half of the race. He was he was leading the run, and then um, 
and then faded a little bit. But, you know, still finished 11th, I think. Yeah, maybe fourteenth. I'm not sure. I mean, you might be right. You might be right. Yeah. Were, were you were you actually out there? Yeah, I was. I, I was out there in, in Beijing. Yeah, that was a you know really interesting, really interesting experience. Yeah, um, tell us more. I still, yeah, I mean, I still think that that was probably one of my well, probably two of the the best triathlon races I've ever seen. So in the women's race, um, Emma Snowsill won mm. with a. Um, Oh, absolutely phenomenal 10k time. I think it would have made the final of the 10,000 metres on the track. Mm. I and mean, it was absolutely phenomenal. And that time, Vanessa Fernandez was the other other mm-hmm. world star in the women's race. And then and then the men's race, absolutely sprint finish, um, which um, Fredino won. Okay. Out of the, and not quite out of the blue, but, you know, it was a bit of a surprise victory. Yeah, and of course, the, the two winners then got married, didn't they? They did, yeah. <laughs> How romantic. And, uh, yeah, so, so as you say, great... Great event and great times, but it wasn't until 2012, I suppose, that uh, British triathlon really peaked, wasn't it? So what was, uh, in those years between 2008 and 2012, what was your role all about? Yeah, so my role was, um, I guess, performance director. So performance yeah. director is really leading the, um, it's almost like CEO of the performance side of the, of the mm. sport. So um, not actually coaching, but... But, you know, managing coaches, managing the support staff, um, with it being Beijing, an awful lot of planning and logistics in terms of how we were going to prepare um, prepare for an event in Beijing, mm. um, which we actually thought was going to be very hot and humid. As, as it turned out on the day, it wasn't particularly hot and it wasn't particularly <laughs> humid. But, um, we did a lot of um, a lot of sort of heat, heat acclimatisation work leading into yeah. leading in. And I, I mean, I know there. Are, you know, you don't want to go into uh, in, any internal politics, and we, we don't want you to. But um, um, obviously, there are some big names, big characters involved. Then, when when was um, Joel Filiol part of it? Was he before two thousand and eight or after? Yeah. yeah. So Joel came in um, after. I'm just trying to get it right. Joel came in start two thousand and nine. So after yeah. after two thousand and eight, we had a bit of a. Um, a bit of a change. Um, a few people moved on. A few th- few things changed. And yeah, Joel came in um, start of two thousand and nine, mm. and he was with Triathlon up until um, sort of mid two thousand and eleven. Mm. So just a couple of years, really. Yeah, because obviously many people may not realise that he's now one of the leading coaches with an international group that's had amazing success since then. So that was a, a bit of a scoop, maybe, for British Triathlon at the time. Whether it had the desired effect or not, I'm, yeah. it's hard to tell, isn't it? No, absolutely. I mean, obviously, he came over. He coached Simon Whitfield to to um, yeah. Well, he, obviously, Simon got medaled at um, medaled in Beijing, so he coached Simon through that Beijing cycle, mm. and then and then decided to move on from from Canada. So mm. yeah, it's always um, a bit of swings and roundabouts in in international sport. Sure, sure. Yeah, and so any other high? So I mean, obviously, being part of that 2012 build-up must have been fantastic, and and being yeah. part of that. Yeah, I mean, I still pinch myself when you see pictures of London now. I mean, it's, what is it? It's nine years ago, isn't it, now? Yeah. But it was, um, yeah, an in- incredible, incredible time for British sport, an incredible time to be to, to be involved in, the, in that in that lead-up. Um, and, you know, obviously it was a, a pretty golden time for, for British triathlon in terms of Alistair's dominance. Um, but similarly at that time, you know, we had a lot of a lot of good athletes, one of them being um, Will from, from Cambridge, um, didn't didn't quite make the London team. I think he was reserve again. But you know there was a, there was a lot of fantastic athletes around, and yeah, we had some some good times on the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we ought, we ought to say actually, Cambridge has done pretty well, hasn't it, in terms of producing national and international standard triathletes. I mean, you know, yourself there as a national champion. I think Rachel Horn did she? I think she did win a national championship, didn't yeah, she? Yeah, I think Rachel. Won a title. Yeah, and if we just stick with the women, but going back a long way, obviously we had Sarah Springman, who's uh, now honorary president, I think, isn't she, of the of the club, or, or certainly yeah. was. And uh, um, we've had other people along the way who sort of ducked in and out. We had um, Susie Cheatham, that some people might know, yeah. in the sort of middle distance uh, prowess, and obviously Lucy Gossage, who I hope to get on at some point. And uh, any any other names we should be mentioning? Uh, we had Henrietta Freeman very briefly, didn't we? Henrietta was another um, another Cambridge student, wasn't she, for a while? Yeah, and her brother Ollie, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and Ollie came to Cambridge as well after we finished um, after we finished triathlon. Yeah, 
Yeah, so you're, you're part of a, of a real pedigree of, of great triathlete women, but you're the one who then went in to sort them all out as a performance director. <laughs> uh, you're the one with the power. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, that, I mean, there must have been a lot of difficult decisions to make there. Would, would you say it was a, a stressful job? Um, I guess it's, um, it just depends how you define stress. I think yeah. there's always... Um, it might always look good good on the surface, but I think any any, any performance program is always a, a little bit dysfunctional. I sort of behind the behind the scenes, a little bit chaotic. So there's mm. always something going on, and, and as you can imagine, particularly into London, but 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 any any Olympic Games, um, it means so much to people. Mm. You know, and a London Games meant everything. So there was a lot of people who um, wanted to make that team. Um, there's a lot of people who had different views about how we should how we should race that race, you mm. know, were we going to take um, three triathletes, they're all going to race themselves, were we going to take someone to work for other athletes, and all, all that sort of stuff. Um, so, yeah, a, a lot going on, um, and I think as you as you go on further and further, you, you realise that that's just what happens. Um, and, and But, yeah, so, yeah, it's stressful at times, but I think, you know... Um, but enjoyable at the same time. Did you did you have a lot of um, contact with the athletes themselves and the, and their representatives? And were, were they was it were you ever put in like difficult situations where they're putting their case forward and you're having to sort of remain neutral? Was that quite hard at some time? Yeah, I mean a, a little a little bit. I mean, obviously, as particularly as the um, maybe not quite like athletics, but as as triathlon was growing, as, as, and imagine that you know that triathletes had quite a lot of um, profile. Athletes had agents. So there's always that balance between mm. what was best for them and what was best for their performance and what was best for both their profile, um, their ability to earn some money, the sports profile, etc. So yeah, you're always always balancing always balancing those different different people and there's yeah, there's inevitably always some tension. But um, I think as long as you can as long as you can handle those in a in a, in a personable way, um, it's normally all right at the end and. Yeah. yeah, if you look back now, then some really, really good friends. Good, yeah, yeah. I and mean, you must have done a good job because uh, you then uh, went into another top job at, at British Canoeing. Um, was that um, a sport that you knew something about before? And was that something that you, you really grasped with, with both hands when that opportunity came? Yeah, so after London, I decided it was sort of time to, to see whether I could sort of transfer my skills to, to, to another sport. A little bit daunting, having spent such a long time in, in, in one sport. So did I know much about canoeing? No, I played a bit of canoe polo when I was at university, okay. but that was about it. So um, didn't really know too much about the sport. Um, I mean, for, for those um, familiar with the sport, on the Olympic side, there's two sides. There's slalom, which is obviously um, white water canoeing, and then there's the flat water sprint canoeing. Mm. Um, flat water spring canoeing in, in some ways is quite similar to swimming in terms of um, the distance, the times, the feel on the water, etc. But mm. as a sport, no, I didn't I didn't know too much about it. So again, went a bit in with my. Um, and what was your my, what was your title there? Uh, my head, my title there was um, head of head of elite talent. So, okay. uh, so that role was a little bit different. Actually, it was more. Um, wasn't so much working with the, with the, with the very top sort of senior athletes. It was working with the with the sort of developing athletes and the and the ones just ju- just below. Mm. Um, so yeah, so a slightly different role um, while I was while I was there. What what were you would you say were the main skills you had to use in that job then? So it's it's quite interesting because when you obviously when you go into a new sport, the sport is obviously really different. And I think mm. the, the first thing you really got to know is you gotta you gotta embrace the sport, you gotta embrace the people and the culture within that sport. Um, but then an awful lot of a lot of it, um, if you take away the actual sport and the field of play, is very very similar. So you've still got you've still got athletes that are very driven. You've still got coaches. You've still got sort of science and medicine stuff, physios, mm. physiologists psychologists etc mm. you've still got logistics and um stuff to manage and budget so in some ways it's it's different but similar <laughs> um yeah. probably one of the biggest biggest differences with with canoeing is that um in flat water you've got some big boats to big boats to cart around and um you might think it's difficult getting a, a um a bike on a plane <laughs> but it's 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 a lot a lot more difficult getting a boat on a plane so some pretty big trips across um across europe to some pretty sort of 
are far-flung Eastern European places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought about that, actually. So I'm thinking like now about like rowing aids and all the rest of it. They, I suppose they do take them on the planes. Uh, no, you have to. You can drive. Take some small boats, but no, you have to drive them. So, oh right. Drive them. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that at all. And um, were you with were you with them right through to Rio? Yeah, so I was with um, with canoeing until uh, end of two thousand and seventeen. So sort of five years in five five years in total. Um, mm. Doing a, I say I started off in this, this talent role, but doing a, a variety of a variety of things, and then. And then decided to take a, another another corner and um, yeah. moved on to uh, England hockey. Right, right. Hockey. But were you were you actually in Rio with the canoeing or not? Or... Uh, no, because no. as I say, I was um, because I was sort of um, supporting that sort of next level of athlete down. It was yeah. sort of the ones that, in fact, some of the some of the athletes that are going to. Um, Going to Tokyo, actually, I was um, I was working with. Oh, brilliant! Anyway, you'd you'd been to Rio to race triathlon already, hadn't you? And and, and apparently seen someone get shot on the beach or something. You told? Oh, yeah, so I talked earlier, Great. So, two thousand seventeen, you moved to hockey, which is a sport which uh, both my daughters are very involved in. So, uh, so hockey, it's a, a sport which I've seen quite a bit of at the development level, and it's always struck me as an extremely structured and well organised sport in, at junior level, certainly. And, and uh, was that your experience when you moved into it? I suppose the size of the sport has something to do with it, but um, w- was it a completely Different sort of league in terms of sports organisation. Yeah, I think I think you've sort of hit the nail on the head there. The size of the sports, the number of people that do do, do hockey, mm. um, it's, it's just on a different scale, particularly to particularly to to triathlon. I mean, a lot mm. of people do canoeing, but um, a lot of those people that do canoeing, it's very much on a sort of a recreational. People go and try canoeing, whereas that's in interesting. Hockey, do you, sorry to interrupt. Do you think then that is canoeing bigger than triathlon? Would you say? Uh, yeah, in, t- in really? terms of, I'd say it's probably bigger in terms of the number of people that actually do canoeing That's or have a go at canoeing. There's, you know, there's an awful lot of like outdoor centres. Okay. You know, a lot of kids will, will have a go at triathlon on a, you know, whether it be doing their Duke of Edinburgh award or, or various sort of outward, um, sort of team building type 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 things. So yeah, a lot of people go on on the water. It's quite, I was quite surprised actually when I mm. when I first went there just how many people do it. Mm. But obviously, hockey is another league again. And, uh, yeah, I, mean, I think that's the that was the, that was I guess that was the that was the attraction really just the, mm. just the number of people number of people doing it. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it is it is very it is very structured. Um, I think that probably the biggest biggest difference from triathlon is is, is that obviously it's a team sport, therefore it's based around clubs primarily clubs and schools. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but the inter the inter sort of either inter club or inter school that's obviously and the competition side of it is a is a huge part of the huge part of the sport. Yeah, yeah, and, and I keep asking the same question. What's your official role title there then at England Hockey now? Uh, but a new role here. I think it's it's a, it's it's a Great Britain. It's a British and an English role, although it's England Hockey. Um, so it's yeah, GB GB Head of Elite Talent Development is my um, wow. official title. Wow, and uh, what what do you think of these hockey players as athletes? I mean, you're someone who's done a sport like swimming, which has got its explosive side very much, and triathlons, endurance. Um, swimming also has a big skill element. Hockey obviously has strength, agility, speed, skill. What What do you think of top hockey players as athletes? Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a, it's a really good question actually because I think hockey has hockey has has transformed over the over the last last few years in terms of the athleticism of the mm. you know the speed, the endure, the the strength, the the endurance, just just the general general um, general fitness required. I think you know if you go back. You know, quite a, quite a few years. It was a it was a skill based sport, and if you were skillful, then you know the fitness was definitely second. Mm. Whereas now the conditioning, you know, it has to be both. You've got to be um, you've got to be a skillful player and creative, but you've also got to be incredibly well conditioned. 
mm. bit like tennis. I'd sort of describe it a little bit mm. like tennis at the top level. You know, it's yeah, which both. definitely has its endurance element, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's probably not, you know, obviously it has an endurance element, but not mm. definitely not like triathlon. No, no, it's, no, it's indeed. Fun. Although I think there are one or two um, triathletes who've come from hockey, aren't there? I think, is, it, is, as um, Kat Matthews used to do hockey, didn't she? I think, I think I've think i heard yeah, that one I or two. Yeah, and, and, and for those going back a long way, um, Fiona Lothian. Oh, the Scottish, um, yeah, yeah. International Scottish hockey player before she became an international duathlete. Mm, mm. So all you young hockey players out there, you're you're priming yourselves for a career in triathlon when you get a bit old for the hockey. <laughs> yeah, and are you, are you really enjoying your work there now? Then yeah, really, really enjoying it. It's it's definitely a, a different challenge working in a, in a in a team sport versus an individual sport. And and um, how's it how's it looking with uh, just weeks to go really before Tokyo now? Yeah, well, we've had a, or, or men have just had a, 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 a really um, good, good European Championship. So unfortunately, they lost that to, to Germany today. But but oh, some right. really, really promising results. That the women are women have had a lot of a lot of injuries, and, and this cycle's been been really a transition from the sort of the heights of Rio. Um, so relatively confident, and obviously we've got five weeks to go to to, to get ourselves ready, and then hopefully um, we'll see what see what happens. Are you involved with the women and the men? Yeah, so um, again, I'm, I'm sort of working just just below that senior senior level, but yeah, yeah. Both, both the men's program and the women's program uh, equally. Uh, and you're you're hoping to stay with that into the next Olympic cycle as well for Paris, are you? Or are we, are we... say yes, but in case um, in case anyone from England hockey's listening, um, <laughs> they might think I'm off somewhere else. Then. Um, <laughs> oh, great stuff! We're building a new a new, a new strategy, so um, yeah, really really excited to, to to see what the next few years brings. Brilliant, brilliant. Okay, well, let, let's sort of sort of go back full circle then, if you like, back to Cambridge Tri Club then. And uh, you mentioned um, the the team aspect of, of hockey there and how it thrives on the fact that there's such competition between clubs and schools. And I certainly always enjoyed whenever in running or triathlon there was a, a relay. And of course, we've now got the mixed relay in, in triathlon. Do you think that's um, something that triathlon could learn from from hockey, this sort of trying to cultivate more of a team thing, and vice versa. Is there anything that hockey could learn from triathlon? Do you think? Yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I thought I've talked about um, quite a lot with a few people about the, the club aspect of, of triathlon because I think it is it is it is developing, but there's very um, and but there's very few club competitions. Mm. Um, so yeah, definitely, um, definitely, I think it's something that uh, the sport could sport sport could. Develop a little bit like swimming does. You know, you're still an individual. There's, you know, there's some relays, but for the most part, um, it, it's an individual sport. But into into club competition in swimming is is still really really big and a really mm. important part of what youngsters do. So um, yeah, I definitely think it's something that um, that, that triathlon could could look to do a little bit more. Mm. And any anything that um, hockey could learn from the old wizened triathletes. <laughs> Because um, I could still, obviously, I, I would still look at hockey players, and I, I'll look at their, um, I'll, I'll look at their fitness, fi- fitness side, and yeah. um, for the most part, it is it probably not a surprise that people come into hockey because they want to play hockey and they want to play the game. Yeah. They don't necessarily come into hockey because they're obsessed with fitness. Mm. Um, whereas some of us mad people, you know, we're a bit obsessive, aren't we, about mm. our, our fitness? So, um, yeah, it is, it is quite interesting, and I think you know, as a sport particularly with hockey moves forward, that, that love of both um, is, is really important. They've got, to, they've got to love their running as, as a, probably much, as much as a runner because you do, a, you do a fair bit of running on, the, on a hockey pitch these days. Yeah, unless you're the goalkeeper like one of my doors. <laughs> unless you're the goalkeeper, yeah, that might be a little bit different. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. Well, we're lucky, I suppose, in Cambridge that we've got such a thriving and active triathlon club both at a junior level where I think there's a big waiting list still and senior level as well it's it's very popular isn't it and uh, do you want to talk a bit about um what you've enjoyed the most about being part of Cambridge Tri Club and then tell us the sort of things you've been you and Tim together have uh, been involved with in, in recent years and it, right through into lockdown yeah I mean to be honest as I say I've been involved in Cambridge Triathlon Club for um best part of 20 odd years now mm. so um, it's changed a lot people have changed a lot but I think the, the, the real nice thing about it is that everybody's welcome you know we've we've got 
people that are just want to come into the sport because they've got a challenge they maybe want to get you know they want to get fit and they've maybe not done too much sport before to the other end of the extreme where you've got people that are going for you know olympic olympic places and really mm. and really pushing on to, to to be elite athletes and and so everybody obviously doesn't know if we train together but you know it's one club and it, it's for everybody so we really like that that aspect of the club mm. um, so yeah that's cool yeah, yeah. So on a personal level, then, how what have you? I mean, you've obviously been an athlete as part of the club, and you've helped. Um, Tim does a lot of the of the swim coaching, doesn't he? And and obviously, you can talk a bit about um, what Tim offers, if you like, in a minute as well, in terms of bike um, setup and all the rest of it. But what about you yourself, and what the sessions that you've uh, been running with? with uh, yeah. Tim? So um, I haven't, to be fair, I haven't really been an active coach for for a while. But um, as everybody knows, we've, we 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 were in lockdown for the best part of um. 15 months with, with, with very little um, swimming opportunities. So as we went into lockdown, we were thinking, okay, we, we need to do something to keep the club together. Because as I've said, you know, one of the great strengths of the club is the connections that people have. So what are we going to do? So persuaded Tim and, and Rob Davis as well, because he's um, he, he, he did the Saturday sessions that we that we need to do something. So, so sorry, I'll just interrupt there. I just mentioned that Rob Davis is the husband of Helen, who we've had on the show. It is, yes. Yeah. Rob, is the, Rob is definitely the... Um, the, the husband of <laughs> yeah so we so we need to do something so like everybody we we launched the we launched the zoom the zoom sessions and then every so for every tuesday and thursday um for the last well best part of a year with a little break in between we've been doing sessions um you know sessions on tuesday and tuesday and thursday thursday mornings um Pilates session. Tim, Tim is the Tim is the voice, and I do the demonstrations. I'm oh. very good. I'm, I'm, I'm not actually sure that I've improved at all over the last year. <laughs> um, and then on the Thursday we do a well, we did a stretch called session. So again, Tim is the voice, the timekeeper um, of the sessions, and I was the, the demonstrator. Oh. So. Um, and what what sort of numbers were you getting logging on to that then? Do you know? I, it varied. I mean, we we we, we probably had you know there would have been a best part of forty people on the sessions at some, and other times it would have been five or six and everything in between. Yeah, but there was yeah. definitely very consistent and very um, committed people who would turn up every morning at or every other day at half past six in the morning to um, to watch me online. I'm not quite sure why, but they did. <laughs> well, yeah. For anyone who hasn't done stretch cord sessions for or swim, do you call them stretch cords? I call them stretch cords. Um, yeah, yeah. I hadn't done them for about I don't know thirty years before um, before lockdown. It's not it's not an easy time for your shoulders, is it? And twenty minutes of that will soon sort you out, won't it? <laughs> it's not an easy session. So that that's uh, brilliant doing that for all that time. That certainly I'm sure has helped um, the the club uh, athletes keep their swimming strong now that they're back in the pool and they're from what I've heard from the people that I coach and know that uh, that lane one's already going at some speed already <laughs> back at back at Impington. Uh, so that's great that you helped maintain that. And uh, do you see um, Cambridge Tri Club carrying on thriving? Anything lined up for the future that that you think it will be branching out into? I mean, so many people ride bikes now, and it's it's become a strange thing hasn't it the, the tri-club ride has become like one of the main rides for cyclists hasn't it and uh, yeah. that maybe the, some of the swim sessions have some swimmers who aren't even triathletes it's really sort of shown through its ability to organize sessions what a, a good day out or a good session should look like hasn't it yeah no definitely i think triathlon is, is probably part of maturing as a sport isn't it but it, it's definitely becoming a it's about a swim, bike, run, and or combination mm. of, of one of those, um, rather than necessarily everybody doing triathlon, me included. I've, I've, <laughs> um, I've done a triathlon for a while, so maybe I'll do. Maybe I'll come out of retirement sometime. Yeah, yeah. So tell us what you're doing now, then. I mean, I know you you still do a bit of swimming, don't you? A bit of cycling as well, occasionally a run. Yeah, or I still, I still I still sort of have this title. Someone asked me what I am, and I'll say I'm a triathlete, but it's a little bit. Um, I'm not really sure I am. I don't think I've done a triathlete for about 15 years now. Really? Um, but yeah, I still swim. I still say I'd swim um, every, well, most mornings, you know, a few times in with, with the Tri Club, a few times at Impington um, in, in the lane swimmings in the morning. Um, swim, cycle on a Sunday morning with, with Cambridge um, Cambridge Cycling Club. Oh, right, yeah. And then, um, yeah, every, every so often I decide I need to do a bit of running, but... Um, <laughs> 
That's third on the definitely third on the list. It's definitely third. It's always been third, and it'll, it'll always stay third on the third on the priority list. <laughs> so when I when I ask the the question that I always ask, which I'll do now, then of what your favourite session is, I'm expecting a swim session, but maybe I'm going to be wrong. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a swim session. Um, I think one of one of the traditions is that um, when it's when it's your birthday, you should swim a hundred. However many oh. however many hundreds you are then you have to swim um, that many hundreds um, for, your, for your birthday. So, um, yeah, that, that's probably one of my favourite favorite sessions. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and what kind of thing do you like most on the bike? Do you like the, the longer, chatty rides, or are you someone who likes to burn your way through a t- yeah. short time trial? Yeah, well, I guess I get it. What, what, I, what I used to like and what I'm actually capable of doing now. Mm. So what did I used to like? I used to... Um, I used to like time trialing fast and um, burning everybody up on the chain gang, um, right. but I can't do either of those anymore. <laughs> um, so, so now I like a nice flat, steady ride um, where I can sit behind somebody. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm. I can't I'm, stop at the end of it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Or both. Yeah, yeah. Um, good stuff. So I always ask as well about food. I don't know if you've got a, a favourite. Um, nutritional piece of advice or nutritional tip or a favourite food that's associated with your great performances? Well, for those that might not know, I actually had a, a, bit of, a bit of trouble with my, my, my stomach when I, when I was racing and I really had to, to stay off stay off gluten. I wouldn't say I was gluten intolerant, but I had to be really careful. So fueling my triathlon was always a bit of a problem mm. just to, get the, to be able to get the right amount of triathlon Sorry, to get the right amount of, of energy um, out. food in yeah. triathlon. Um, so when I was when I was training hard, I and I still do to a degree, but I used to eat a massive amount of rice. Mm. You know, we used to have our rice cooker every, every day. We would take our rice cooker if we went away. I'd even put my rice cooker in my in my suitcase if I if I went abroad, um, because that was the way of making me making sure that there was always a you know a stock of carbohydrate that I could eat if I couldn't eat the food. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, and I know I know a guy called Rob Joy always used to take his toaster with him, but I think you're the only one I've heard of taking their rice cooker. Yeah, I used to have a rice cooker. Didn't didn't really make room for much other um, much other kit once you stuck your rice your, your rice cooker. In the <laughs> <laughs> so, what's your favourite rice dish then? Oh, it's got to be paella, hasn't it? Okay, with a bit with everything in. With everything in, yeah. Just um, just just um, you know, stick everything in that in it and shake it all up and. Brilliant. Okay, so shall we, let's finish by you telling us um, how people can find out more about you or about um, Perfect Condition as well. So just give us tell people how to find out more if they want to or where they can follow you or, or yeah, Tim so, as well. So as we talked about, um, we, do, we do run a company, or Tim runs a company, perfectcondition.limited.uk. You can find it on the, on the website. And it's really multi-sport, multi-sport coaching. Um, Tim does. Tim does a lot of bike fitting. We've just actually got an end. Well, just got. We've been um, building a, a home for it for last um, last year. We've got an endless pool now. Ooh. So for those interested in um, coming and um, having their swimming analysed, um, then then we've got an endless pool pool for, for that. Or if you want some, if you've got an event coming up and you want some advice on training programs, then um, yeah, Tim can definitely definitely help you help you out there. Brilliant. So, so just say the the web again. Perfect condition. Yeah, perfect condition. Www. Brilliant. Okay, that, that's fantastic. And of course, we've had um, uh, Dave McLean on, who was coached by Tim, and Tim's also coached uh, Emma Pooley, who another person we should have mentioned in the in the Cambridge list of great yeah. uh, women performers. Um, yeah, so he's definitely got some pedigree there, and hopefully, we'll get him on the show in in due course as well. Right, Eva, I think I think that's about it. Is there anything we've missed that I've forgotten or we've forgotten that that we need to mention? I feel like we raced. A, I feel like we rushed through the the your triathlon career very quickly. There, I mean, you, we mentioned Brighton, your your national champs win. Any other races that domestic races that stand out in yeah. your memory? I mean, I, I always yeah, racing. Um, I mean, I guess Windsor. I mean, obviously oh, yeah. Windsor's not quite the event that it used to be. But Windsor, when I was racing, as you know, it was oh, yeah. Big event, wasn't it? Oh, really, yeah, it, really, was. Um, it was the biggest triathlon in the world for a while, I think. Event, so always great to always great to race there. Um, but there was there was lots of um, really lovely races around the country. Some of them still exist, like the Shropshire, the Ellsworth mm. triathlon. Yeah, yeah, went there, there a few times. Yeah. Um, 
didn't really like the run on that, but <laughs> I like you going up there. And there was um, Iron Bridge. That was always a nice, a nice race to race to go. The the middle distance one, yeah. Uh, I think oh. there might have been a, a, an Olympic distance when I did it. Oh, okay. Oh, right. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, but a lovely play. Did you have to run up the side of the, to get into transition? Right up the yeah, yeah, yeah. Un- underneath yeah. the famous Iron Bridge. There, it's fantastic. Yeah, really beautiful. And then, um, yeah, racing some some of the um, some of the European races were good as well, weren't they? Obviously, Holland is a mm. Holland oh, is yeah. a great place. In terms of um, in terms of the events they used to run, I probably still run actually now, but mm. crowds and stuff. There was a real real atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, I remember now we were talking the other day about that, weren't we? There was um, Zundert and Holton. Uh, yeah. What was the other one? I've forgotten now, but uh, these were all on the sort of... Because there was a European Cup circuit, wasn't there, for both triathlon yeah, and yeah, triathlon? I think, I think there still is. It's not quite the same as it was, but yeah, there was a European European, European circuit. I told, was telling you about Alanya, wasn't I? Because at uh, that time, oh, Alanya in Turkey, the, um, that was the end of end of end of um, year series race. There was always that race in Alanya, and it was always... Basically, at those days, you could only fly to Turkey on a Wednesday and come back on a Wednesday. <laughs> you had to go for a week, and the race was on Sunday. So, basically, it was just a, it was just a week's party, to be honest. Brilliant. That's fantastic. So, yeah, all, the, all those who, of you now who are, you know, who are getting into triathlon, please be aware of uh, this great wealth of talent that we have in the, in the Cambridge Club. And, uh, you know, when you want to find out about elite performance, we have people like Heather here who uh, I'm sure would be willing to talk to you about it and what it actually takes to be at that top level in uh, in triathlon, which is, uh, as you say, developing all the time, isn't it, as a sport? And uh, long may that continue. And uh, yeah, you've, I think you've done a good job uh, advertising Cambridge Tri Club, which I fully back. It's a fantastic club. So, you know, if you are in the area... You know, why not join them? Give them a try, whether it's the swimming or the bike rides, whatever you you want to, or a bit of everything. And uh, yeah, Heather, good luck with uh, everything hockey. Let's see, let's hope things go well in in Tokyo and beyond. And uh, keep us posted. And hopefully, we'll we'll be talking to Tim in the not too distant future. And uh, yeah, good luck with everything. Brilliant. Thanks, Ben. Been great to be on the show. Thanks ever so much. Bye. Right, well, I hope you enjoyed that chat with Heather Williams. A wealth of information, not just on endurance sport, but on sports organisations in general and development and elite performance. And it's great to look back with Heather at the heady days of triathlon in the 90s when uh, both of us were doing, uh, let's say, rather better than we are now in athletic terms. Anyway, please tune in again. Apologies for the delay between episodes this time Uh, i'm not going to try and get one out every week but i hope to be a bit more regular than i have been and uh, if you're somebody who thinks they should be featured or somebody who has a comment to make please get in touch in the usual way find us on instagram on facebook and or email me and uh, i'll be delighted to have a chat and hear what you've got to say so in the meantime Keep enduring. They said that we were trash. Well, the name is Crash, not Clash. They can stuff their punk credentials. It's them that take the cash. They won't say nothing to their basketball talk. R.A.R. badges in their protest wall. Fans of white men standing in a park. Objected to ISIS to carry the doll. Black man's got problems. He's right to deal with it. Snap for yourself, real with your white liberal shit. You can't take a close look at the way things really stand. You'll see they're all just niggas to the rulers of this land. Punk was one turn after two years of crap. A way of saying no, we'd always said yes. The moment we saw, our rights be free. They eventually divided in life through plenty of NFC. The qualified factors of politics and class. Left in match on three fighters with the cars. I stepped on a racism, I came on a street. It was time to form a fashion for the social elite. Bigotry and blindness, a Marxist cunt. Another clever trick to keep us all in line. Three little labels to keep us all about. Keep us all in fighting when the travels start.